Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to episode number 33 of Unformidable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history. As every player who duns the orange and blue is, in their own way, unformidable. And, well, this felt pretty easy. The Mets and their managers. Big news. It's all the news the Mets have had in the last few weeks have been managerial-related since they brought on Dylan Batances. Well, I talk, we're going to talk about the big leagues here and Carlos Beltran, because he's way too prominent a figure for our little podcast. I wish I had a hot take to throw in on Carlos Beltran here. It seems like what you're supposed to do on social media and on a podcast, but frankly, I'm just not sure I do. It's a complicated situation, perhaps because of my great fondness for Carlos and the fact that not only do I want every Met manager to succeed, but, you know, I think I really wanted to see Carlos succeed and cement his place in Mets history and be, you know, have that number 15 retired. And, you know, it seemed like there was more to this than just hoping a new manager succeeds because this is the laundry I root for. So, uh, you know, for sort of from that aspect, it's it was very frustrating and disappointing. And honestly, I'm just still grasping the 
the the scope of this uh, cheating scandal. It's it's quite. I don't know what I think about it, and I don't envy people having to throw a hot take out there immediately. It's very Mets, though. That's all I could think to myself in its in its way, isn't it? But no, for unformidable and our less heralded Mets, I was actually thinking of the Mets' new AAA manager. For when news broke that Brian Schneider, was former Met, was brought on to manage the Mets' AAA team, a friend of mine noted, I completely forgot he was on the Mets. I myself did not, as I'll get to shortly, but those words are just music to my ears and made me think, yes, next podcast, welcome back to the Mets family, the unformidable Brian Schneider. So Brian Duncan Schneider was born November 26th, 1976, which means he's just about two years younger than I am. I'm just going to preface this whole podcast by noting that I had a very irrational dislike for Brian Schneider from before he from his acquisition to the Mets throughout his time on the Mets. Part of that is that he never looked athletic to me. When I look at his picture, he looks like a nice man, but I I think he looks older than me for the love of God. I mean, I know catchers don't always have the glorious Piazza look or Piazza physique. But, I mean, Ryan Schneider, uh, look, I, I looked him up online to prepare for this podcast, and he just looks like a slightly heavier Ken Jennings to me. You know, someone who might you might well like as a human being, and in fact, in researching the podcast, he seems like a fine man, and I feel ever more horrible for not liking him when he was a bet. But just someone you look at, and you you see his picture, and you think, that is not who I want to be a prominent member of the athletic team I root for. That's that's what Brian Schneider looked like to me. And when you combine that with the fact that he came over in a trade in which I thought the Mets overpaid very badly, I mean, we're not talking Robinson Cano negative 1.0 here, but it just I wasn't happy with the acquisition, and I just remember being generally angry anytime he or Ryan Church were prominently involved in anything, good or bad. So sorry for unfairly judging you before you even got to the Mets, Brian Schneider. But I digress. Let's look at his background and his tenure and base- what brought him to baseball before he came to the Mets. Brian Schneider was born in Jacksonville, Florida. And, and I, I read that, and it makes me angry again, because you know, to me, this is a man that doesn't quite have the, the dynamic charm of a Jason Mendoza. I never saw Brian Schneider throw a Molotov cocktail during a game, so being from Jacksonville, being born in Jacksonville, doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever for the for the Schneider image I have. At some point, though, his family clearly moved northeast because Schneider played high school baseball and basketball in Pennsylvania, Northampton, Pennsylvania, in a very competitive conference. He had signed a letter of intent to play college baseball at Central Florida, but he was taken by the Montreal Expos in the fifth round of the 1995 draft, and he signed with the Expos and joined their organization. His calling card really always was defense, and of course a defensively sound catcher will always have a shot to stick around. And Schneider did show a decent enough bat or in the minors, or at least some pop in the minors, hitting 17 homers in A. But even in the minors, he never had an OPS above 750 
in a full minor league season. So if he was progressing to the minors and seen as a major league viable prospect, it was thanks to his defense. And indeed, he did move through the Expos organization, coming up, making his MLB debut in the year 2000 at the age of 23. Schneider was a backup from 2000 to 2002, and in his limited time as a backup there, Schneider was not as exposed to left-handed pitchers as he would be as a regular player later in his career. And in fact, he only had a 217 average against lefties over his entire major league career. So when playing as a backup, he actually did flash a a halfway decent bat, you know, particularly for the position he played. Um, 2002, when he had 207 played appearances, 207 at-bats, pardon me, the only time in his career he had over 100 at-bats and had an OPS plus over league average uh, coming in at 106. So, you know, I suppose you have a 25-year-old catcher hitting above league average and with a good glove and, as we'll discuss shortly, very good arm. Uh, so you, you do have a viable major league piece there. So Schneider would take over the primary catching role uh, from 2003 to 2008. He would appear in over 100 games each season, either as a full-fledged starter or at least as the long side of a catching platoon. And, you know, that defense made him a valuable player, particularly during his time with the Expos. Uh, every season from 2002 to 2005, Schneider, who had an impressive arm throughout 40% or better of base stealers, peaking at an incredibly impressive 53% in 2004. He threw out 27 out of 51 base runners that year. Framing metrics were pretty much in their nascent stage then, but his defense behind the plate, you know, primarily his arm, but... Other metrics that were measured back then did make him a net positive player by baseball reference war between 2002 and 2006. In fact, peaking at a 3.5 B war in that 2004 season. Perhaps I wasn't paying attention to the struggling Expos then, even though they were in our division, but never really appreciated that or uh, remember thinking incredibly highly of Schneider. The Expos ceased contending and soon ceased being cool and French-Canadian, eventually moving to D.C. where they would bottom out at first, and Schneider would settle more into a mediocre, kind of average-level player. But that wouldn't stop his old general manager, who was monitoring the Expos some during his time, Omar Minaya, from bringing him on to the Mets when the opportunity arose. So in a busy offseason that would ultimately knit Johan Santana, uh, the Mets also acquired Schneider and Ryan Church for former-ish top prospect Lastings Millage. So the Bloom was kind of off Millage at that point a bit. However, he had just been the number 11 and number 9 prospect in Major League Baseball, according to Baseball America, prior to the 05 and 06 seasons. And he came up to the Mets during 07 and had some above-average production. I know in hindsight, you know, people just don't care about this trade. In hindsight, people just say it doesn't matter. Millage didn't turn out great. And I think he's actually cited when people freak out about trading like a Jared Kalenic or whatever. 
And it seems to only matter when the players become Amethonis or Nolan Ryan, and the trade doesn't matter when they become Lasting's Millage. And I know people, you know, some people think that Kalenic might turn out to be more Millage than Otis. But the point to me is that no one knows. If you're going to spend an asset, don't squander it. Uh, don't use it to bring on the albatross of a contract of Robbie Cano. Don't use it for a replacement-level catcher and replacement-level outfielder that, at best, are strong sides of platoons. And I do get that defense is important behind the plate, but I always believe you can't really have a defensive specialist in the NL. I always I remember everyone loved Ray Ardonez, and I was like, every 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 third inning. I, when it was seven hitter Ordonez and the pitcher, I could go get a beer because nothing was going to happen. And I guess that was my philosophical baseball strategery objection to the trade. I thought Schneider had zero offensive upside. And anyway, <laughs> anyway, Omar Minaya made the move, desperate to improve, to remove the previous season's collapse. Uh, he sent a, away a top prospect, which I don't object to. Not a terrible idea for a contending team. Plugging two holes that I can't remember corresponding players, but I would think those holes could have easily been filled with average free agents. But Schneider came on to serve as a primary catcher to replace the aging Paul LaDuca, and Church filled a right field void, never quite filled after Xavier Nady unfortunately has to be had to be traded in 2006. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, and in that 2008, in his first season in New York, Schneider was Schneider. He hit 257, nine homers, 38 RBIs, and 100 games. His defense was solid, if unexceptional. His uh, caught stealing percentage dipped into the low 30s, which was higher than I thought. I just I don't remember him being a force. And frankly, the idea of the Mets having a catcher who can gun out base runners is about as absurd as the idea of them having a shutdown closer and a shutdown bullpen. It just seems like no matter what they do, we're not going to catch runners stealing. And so it goes. Uh, but Schneider was adequate in that reserve in that. Uh, category. I tried and tried, and I, I couldn't really think of a memorable Mets moment for Schneider. Uh, the best thing I could think of is that I do know he scored the first ever Mets run at City Field uh, on April 13th, I think it was, 2009, uh, with the Mets in an early 4 nothing hole. Uh, Ryan Church walked the bottom of the second in front of Schneider, who hit into a force play, taking Church's place in first. And then uh, Schneider came around to score on a double by Luis Castillo. So first run scored by the Mets in their new ballpark, Brian Schneider. First RBI, Luis Castillo. Let's wipe all of those names away and take a moment to remember that three innings later, David Wright hit the first home run in Mets City Field history, as it should be. There, that's much better. 
Schneider's two-year tenure with the Mets ended after that 2009 season. Um, so, yes, unfortunately, perhaps it doesn't help the Schneider memories that uh, those were two unfortunate seasons, 08 with the painful ending and 09 with the painful start, middle, and ending. Um, and then he left the Mets after the 09 season, signing as a free agent with the Phillies. Uh, he spent most of the... 2010, 11, and 12 season with with Philadelphia, backing up Carlos Ruiz. He appeared in not a lot of games in any season, no more than like 40 in any season. And even though the Phillies were in the playoffs often, then he didn't uh, register an appearance in a postseason game. I'm not sure he even was on the postseason roster. And he retired after the 2012 season after a 13-year career. All 13 years in the NL East, interestingly enough. And for that career, Schneider put up, over his 13 seasons, a 6.8 war, uh, B-war, according to baseball reference. Most of it powered by those 2004-2005 seasons where his defense, uh, powered by his throwing, uh, was rated quite exceptional. Uh, He had 3,165 career major league at-bats, hit 67 home runs, batted 247, had an on-base percentage of 320, and a slugging of 369 for a 689 OPS and an 81 OPS+. plus. As a Met, he put up a 0.5 war, uh, accumulated a 0.5 war over his two seasons, 0.3 in 08, 0.1 in 09, being as, I guess, replacement level as... I remember him being, or as some Met fans already don't remember him being. Uh, He actually had a decent offensive season in 08, uh, a one offensive war, but uh, pretty much was just a zero uh, war defensively, both in 08 and 09, and graded out as, you know, just replacement level. In 169 games as a Met, he hit 12 homers, drove in 62 runs, and slashed 244, 323, 356, uh, 680 OPS, 81 OPS plus. So pretty pretty similar to his DC numbers, I guess, with a but with a downgrade in defense as players age. Mets really never seem to get that players aging thing. And after Schneider's retirement, he went into coaching as a shocking number of players that I have looked into and unformidable have. He managed for the Florida Marlins minor league organization, managing their, I think, single-A Jupiter Hammerheads, yeah, in the Florida State League, and then eventually came to the Miami coaching staff. I just called them the Florida Marlins, didn't I? Uh, The uh, Miami Marlins coaching staff as a catching coach and he was with the Marlins organization until uh, 2019 when his contract wasn't renewed and as you may have heard and as some people said who I don't remember him being on the Mets he was recently named the Syracuse Mets AAA manager to take over the managing duties of the Mets AAA team this offseason and hey uh with all the tumult in the Mets front, uh, in the Mets dugout right now, who knows, you might see Brian Schneider in Queens somewhere again sometime soon. It's hard sometimes to 
avoid being grouchy as a Mets fan, and you know, I do hate you. Know, I, I feel like I'm often criticizing these players or saying I had unfond memories of them. And you know, again, here's a, someone who had a you know notable major league career for 13 years, and I'm denigrating his abilities sitting here on my couch. Um, and it's always nice to find out that they actually were, you know, they seemingly are nice people in their off-season life. And Brian Schneider, this is my favorite thing that I've learned in researching this podcast, at least, or maybe my second favorite thing after le- learning that Mike Vale was a minor league teammate of Randy Macho Man Savage. But Brian Schneider uh, had a charity when he was a baseball player called Catching for Kids, which was established to support children and uh, provide funding for their participating in sports. And one way in which he tried to raise money was by releasing a series of wines on a label. Uh, Then these wines were named after Major League ballplayers. So if you scour the interwebs well enough, you might be able to buy yourself a bottle of Brian Schneider Chardonnay. And yes, that is spelled S-C-H-A-R-D-O-N-N-A-Y. And if you're a wine aficionado, according to eventwines.com, the wine opens up with strong aromas of freshly cut green apple, melon, and pear. A bowl full of tropical fruit salad is in there, as well as a hint of floral apple blossom. So if that doesn't sell you, just keep in mind there will be a wonderful image of Brian Schneider on your wine label. Although, of course, it seems like you can rate wines on these websites, and it seems like they also grayed out um, if wine had a war. Uh, it seems like this wine might be considered at or below replacement level wine. Uh, I'm really not the person to expertly guide you there, but uh, that is the impression I get from these wine websites. But uh, wonderful quirky baseball souvenir, and I can't wait to go down a rabbit hole and find out what other players might be sponsored on Brian Schneider's Catching for Kids wines. Go find yourself a bottle and crack one open the next time you're listening to this podcast. And thank you for listening to Town for Medible. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find this and all of our amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. If there's a way to leave a review, please do. It really helps us out. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R. And the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and let's go Mets.